Welcome back to Vantage Point Podcast, where we bring insight, keys, and perspective to everyday living through the lens of God. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm so, so glad you're tuning in to another episode of our summer signature series, Persons of Interest, Summer Takeover. And if you tuned in last week, we switched gears from our next-gen segments of our Persons of Interest, and now we're talking about Jesus and therapy. And last week, we had an amazing speaker on. We had Kamir Baker, and so thank you again, Kamir, for being a part of Vantage Point. I hope you tuned into that episode. If not, by all means, continue. Go back and listen to that one. But this week, this week, this week, we have a special, special um, episode. These folks have been on Vantage Point numerous times. Uh, they have their own podcast as well. It's called The Pantry Podcast. And I'm so excited that they're coming back again for another uh, summer takeover uh, series. This is actually the third time that they've been on uh, Persons of Interest Summer Takeover. And I'm so excited to welcome back the hosts of The Pantry Podcast, Shay and Michelle Watson. What's up? Hello. I am Shay. I am Michelle. And we are the Pantry Podcast. But look, we're here on Vantage Point Podcast. Our boy Nick Ruffin, awesome podcast. It's always fun to come on and be a part. Yes. And if you have been listening to his podcast for a long time, which I hope you have, but if not, welcome. You should stick around. But this is our third time hosting Summer Takeover for a week. Big honor. And this year, the juicy topic is Jesus and therapy. And our whole slant for tonight is yeah there's Jesus yeah there's therapy but what happens when one gets elevated over the other and that's and I think that's somewhere where we could all sit sometimes I mean there the two camps and and I'm not gonna get deep into this because I think that there's there's benefits in both both uh camps in fact I think that there is good therapy and I also think that Jesus is the answer. So, right. so I'm sitting and I'm like, okay, I got to have Jesus. So, so the first thing in my life, when I go through any kind of breakdown or, or, or feeling, I don't, I don't know how else to say it. I don't want to call it a mental disorder necessarily, but when I'm having, you know, some, something, an anxiety or a depression or PTSD, okay, there's one that hits home, mm-hmm. but cause that is close to my home, then I know what is necessary, but sometimes I don't always know how to get to that necessary. Right. And I think that that is why God has created a a thing of one body with many members Mm -hmm. and therefore gives us opportunities to work with people who can guide us to where we need to be in that peace and that joy and that love that Jesus brings to us. Yeah, I I would agree with you. I think that we often the issue is never when you put Jesus over therapy, because technically he is the answer. But I think what the question um, that underlies that is like if the person like, okay, I understand Jesus is the answer. But how does therapy fit in? Like, how, what about my mental health? What about the toxic thoughts I'm having? What about the overwhelm, the anxiety, all these things? Like, if I'm calling on Jesus and it's not insta-snatched away, like, what then? And how is he, if he is the answer, how is he the answer in this context? How can you use therapy? What role does it have? You know, all of that. And I think what you said is the perfect way to kind of lead into that. Because you have to start with him acknowledging him as the ultimate solution before you decide on therapy or no therapy or psychiatry or psychology or counseling or just a buddy system, whatever it is you decide to turn to the first thing, like you said, acknowledging him 
And then the key becomes relying on him, trusting on him, letting him close a door, letting him open a door, letting him lead you somewhere and not necessarily trying to to take the reins back. That's often what I've in my own life. That's often what has caused my mental health to plummet is when I try to take control. Yeah. You know, Proverbs, it says that man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. There's nothing more that I want to be than in God's steps, like walking with God, Mm -hmm. communicating with God, listening to what the Holy Spirit has to say to me, right? In every situation. I know, man, I I got blown out one time by saying that I pray for everything. Mm -hmm. I pray for my vacation. I pray for if I'm going to go watch a movie. I pray for this. And people were like, oh, you're so like bound by Christ. And I'm like, no, I want to be bound in Christ. You know, I want to hear the difference Mm -hmm. bound by versus bound in. Mm -hmm. And, and when I'm allowing him to come in and be a part and a portion in my life, you know, more than a portion, I I say a portion, because usually that's all we're, we're capable of doing in Mm -hmm. any situation because we can never get it completely dialed in. Cause I know that sometimes I do the same thing. Like you said, we sit there and we talk and we say something Mm -hmm. and we start to say like, Oh Lord, I need this help. And then like five minutes later, you're like right back in it. It's like, Oh, and you're so frustrated. And it's so like, it's so hard sometimes, but I will continue in my life, in my walk, to c- continue to turn back to God because I was there. I went through PTSD. I went through combat PTSD. I had uh, all of the things, delusions, nightmares, and flashbacks. And I remember, you know, going through it, I didn't have Christ. I had people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their their thoughts and their their ways were, of course, medication and, you know, talking about what's what, you know, what did you do today and how are you today and what can we work on today and, and you know, having to dig into that. But I always felt like to me, it came up a little shallow, like there wasn't a depth there. It ne- there was a part of my heart, my soul that wasn't being penetrated. Mm-hmm. And I never could understand that. But I, I did find, look, the medication that they put me on, of course, army. Hey, y'all, I'm sorry. I'm gonna be honest. They kind of just pumped a lot of different things into me until they found something that kind of like calmed me. Um, so I felt like a guinea pig in all of it, but they, it did help. Let me tell you what it did. It brought me to a place where I could stop for a second and breathe. Mm-hmm. But even in that second of breath, I wasn't satisfied, mm-hmm. but it was a moment for me to recognize what was going on. And so it gave me a, a, the ability to start taking some of the things that they said, recognition and, mm-hmm. and uh, I forget what the triggers, you know, spotting the triggers right. and, and working it out. And it wasn't until like decades later mm-hmm. when Christ came into my life mm-hmm. that I finally, it wasn't just that like, okay, temporary satisfaction, but there became a reprieve. Right. And when I say reprieve, that doesn't mean that there isn't struggles. There isn't things that I had to fight or don't have to go through. That just means that there was a reprieve. In other words, my soul and my heart lightened to a point because now I had counsel. And I really felt like the counsel I was receiving was counsel that was solidified because it was through my creator. Right. One of the things that I like about your background is that you were actually told to enter into like that you were kind of like ordered to enter into counseling and you experienced it and even without having Christ you were recognizing that it was like you kind of saw right through some of the stuff and it was for your disadvantage almost like you were like I see right through you and I don't want to play this game And as so I was a psychology major now, granted, not like just a, a BA in psychology. So not someone with high level anything. But I remember in senior year, that's when you first get your feet wet in a lot of the stuff that you would be doing in grad school. So you get to sit and practice counseling and 
practicing the kind of conversations that you had and things. And one of the things was it's a great deal of responsibility when you are the counselor and you are not supposed to be giving them the advice. You're supposed to be asking them questions so they come to the conclusion because oftentimes you can't change a person outright directly however you can change people through manipulation through asking good questions through asking bad questions through you know omitting some of the truth by revealing some of the truth you can't necessarily predict how they're going to change but you can indeed inflict change on a person by what you do so I think that it's important to understand that a psychologist or a counselor does wield a great deal of power and responsibility and I am always very cognizant of that because one, that can weigh heavily on someone that has a good, healthy conscience, right? Understanding the weight of being the person's confidant and also having to ask responsible, wise questions to get someone to come to conclusions. At the same time, if the counselor's having an off day or completely disagrees with your worldview they're going to ask questions that favor their worldview oftentimes so it's a very tricky slippery slope but in your story you're kind of this example of somebody who didn't even want to play at it and where I can respect like not trying to just tell someone what they need to do because then you're their authority figure and they don't need you to become their authority figure at the same time I'm kind of thankful because some of the coping mechanisms that psychology has come up with are based in you taking control and working on fixing some of the alarm bells. Sometimes they can't actually penetrate the root unless they are a believer because the root is, is wrapped in the spiritual context of sin and the sins in our life that even if it's stuff that's been done to us, it's how we still regard it and how we have learned to deflect and defend ourselves that make it hard for the Holy Spirit to, to penetrate that area to give us conviction in that area and a psychologist who doesn't understand conviction of the holy spirit is going to have a lot of trouble going to the root of something and addressing it in a in the way that the bible says sin must be addressed so then you kind of leave the person with temporary band-aids and so even if you are using therapy i highly highly encourage it to be a christian therapist but if that's not who you have i would encourage you to bring a Bible with you, <laughs> right? So that you can have that, that resource at your disposal during the conversation if you need to look something up um, during your time to explain why you feel a certain way or why this matters to you in the way that it matters to you. And then afterward, make sure that you also have spiritual counsel if your therapist isn't spiritual. Right. I, I like that, especially when you talk, start talking about the spiritual, you start talking about how this battle is won. You know, we don't fight flesh and blood. Uh, and, you know, and we're, you know, we weren't planning on throwing a bunch of verses in here, but I'm going to because I'm going to mm -hmm. throw some verses because I think it's really cool that we understand where where the victory is won, where victory comes into play. Uh, it doesn't come from man. It doesn't come from self. It comes through God. It comes through Christ. And Hebrews 2.14 says, since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. 
And so we sit there and we come to this understanding that when we're going through something in our lives, we have to have that spiritual element because this isn't flesh and blood. This is something that's been going on for a long time and has been warring in the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. And so when we don't bring the spiritual realm and the fix of the spiritual realm into the situation, then we're never going to get all the way down to the root cause. We could get down pretty deep and I, I never I will never take that away. Oh, no, absolutely. People can't because there are people out there that don't have Jesus that get to a point in life where they can walk through life and be okay. Absolutely. So but there's still that one last step Mm -hmm. and that would be that spiritual step. And that is what we're talking about today and what you just went through. And we're talking Mm -hmm. about like, hey, you know, they're they're out there. They're mm-hmm. good because I know that. OK, so on my side, I've, I've seen, you know, therapists and like you said, I had a problem because mm-hmm. I did. I was, I'll be real. OK, and let me just be honest to give them at least a foot, you know, mm-hmm. like whatever. I, I don't know how you say it. Some kudos in there. Um, throw them a bone. I'm a, there you go. I'll throw them a bone. I wanted help. I was at a point in my process in life not even processed, so unprocessed, it's not even funny, that I needed somebody to get me going, mm-hmm. to like point me into a direction, right? Mm-hmm. And who, who, see, sometimes I think God plays roles. Now, of course, it took a couple of years, mm-hmm. couple, 10 or 20 years, anyways, <laughs> to, to get to Christ. But, but if someone would have given me that then, who knows what direction I could have gone. Right. Instead, it turned me into the direction of like, <laughs> hello. How am I going to fix myself? Yeah. Whoa. Key point. Even when we start talking about some of the struggles that you go through, mm-hmm. how is Michelle, other than the availability, the process, mm-hmm. you know, we do walk as Christians, y'all. We don't just sit down and all of a sudden it's gone. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have to put a little work into it. Oh, I said the work word, but sometimes we have to put a little work. So when you're sitting there and you're thinking about this, right. And you've never been to a therapist. Right. Um, it's still the same, same process. Mm-hmm. You have to do what in this process? What do you have to do? I need, so for me, I think yeah. there's an understanding that the root issue is always sin. And I know that that can be a triggering offensive thing, but so is the truth of humanity. Um, even if the things that cause you to struggle are the sins of others the root is still sin someone's sin is the root but then once it is something even when it's something that was done to you or it's something that through little things in life it's just the proclivity of sin you had that you started to embrace and allow to take over regardless of what it is the healing is the lord's the process is the lord's and he will convict you and put you into areas where, for example, servitude and focusing on the serving of others, um, even just by encouraging them, that's a form of servitude, right? Like those kind of things, they heal us in a way we cannot expect or explain, but they do. Those are the kinds of things that he's going to call us to challenge us in. But if we are shying away because it's uncomfortable, then the way the Lord wants to work on us He's going to he's going to do what needs to happen, but you can make it easier or harder to change by how much you fight him. Mm. Right. And so anytime you fight the Lord, that's sin. So your healing process can be delayed by your own sin, even if you are not the initiator of the sin in your life. Right. So we have to 
take responsibility. That is one thing that in psychology today and for the last about decade or two decades, they've been removing responsibility off the individual gradually through time. Mm. And so for me, someone who has never gone to a psychologist or a counselor, they're different. That's why I keep using both. Um, They have different degrees, different training. You know, psychiatrists also have different degrees, different training. But so if you go to any of those three, um, you're going to experience different degrees and different styles of, of help, right? But when you decide to go on yourself, part of that was my sinfulness, my pride, okay? That's one of the reasons I decided to go, go it on my own. Also, a distrust in the world system. Before I even came to Christ, I distrusted. I was like, like you were like, how can a broken person, how can I, who is broken, fix myself? I was like, how can a fellow broken person fix me? Mm. How can one car fix another car? I need a mechanic. Right. I recognized that. Then I came to Christ and realized that, that, that he uses broken people. to help other broken people and it's his sovereignty and wisdom and love that's coming through us into other people he can use unbelievers by pointing out things you are in denial about that's why i say like i don't absolutely condemn therapy though i tread very softly because of Mm. the different opinions and biases of people but for myself i started leaning on other believers that i could trust because this is this is how i can trust them they would reply to me with scripture. Mm. They, their answers came from the Bible, not what they would do, not what they felt, not their opinion, but what does the word of God say, even if it hurts, even if I'm guilty of not doing it myself, I still know it's the right answer. This is the answer. They also pray for me and they also encourage me and stick by me and their acceptance of me in the midst of my struggles and imperfection and their expectation that God's going to continue to work in me and improve me, that combo has done more for me than anything else in my life as far as other humans helping me is concerned. Mm. That's good. That's really good. Um, <clears throat> I want to go back on something you said there because you said, you know, they've, they've been taking the responsibility away from people throughout time, right? And, and leaning on God is what we're learning more and more in our walk with each other through our marriage, through everything else that we go through. But I, it makes me think back. So people could be sitting there going, no, you know, I, but God, okay, sometimes God does everything. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we fail to recognize what God is doing. Right. Um, let's look at Jonah. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. But Jonah ended up in Nineveh. But how did Jonah end up in Nineveh? Well, he recognized that he was the problem on the boat and told them to throw him over the boat. Okay. Mm-hmm. But listen to what Jonah says. And and, and this is and then I'm gonna carry this thought all the way to the end of the story. We're gonna skip a bunch, but but listen to this. In Jonah in, in, in Jonah two, it says, The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Okay. He has just admitted the strength, the power that God has to rescue. Mm -hmm. In fact, he was rescued. Mm -hmm. You know, he was going through a crisis. 
Um, he's sitting on a boat with a bunch of men and he's the problem mm -hmm. and it's bothering. He's like, you got to get rid of me. You got to throw me over. You, you got to kill me. Mm -hmm. You, they don't, they're not thinking Jesus. Now, of course they all come to Christ after the storm goes, they're kind of cool. They come to the Lord. Right. But at the end of this story, he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. He's got a heartache for Nineveh. It's, it's a bitterness, a wickedness, an ugliness mm -hmm. for Nineveh. God has rescued him. God has pulled him up from the weeds, the mountains, and the pits. And he's like, oh, Lord, you're so wonderful, right? You're mm -hmm. so awesome. And yet, out of all of that awesome towards the end, he still has this heart that's not for the people. He's still stuck in a rut. He's mm -hmm. still stuck in this, in, this, in, this, in this issue that he's having within his heart. And I'm not saying that our mental health is all within our heart, but I like what you're saying. Sometimes we have to sit there and say, hold on, hold on, hold on. God has given me the tools. Mm -hmm. God has given me the tools. Right. And so how am I going to take these tools, the word of God, right? Mm -hmm. And use these tools to watch this, to have betterment of life. Right. That we, no one promised perfect, not while we're living, not while we're taking a breath, but promises of betterment of life and being able to then get through some of these issues that we have or these problems. We, we just did an episode called puzzles or proposals, not problems. Right. Mm -hmm. And like we could sit there and stuck in our problem, right? Ah, I'll never get out of this or, or it's never going to get better. Or if I don't have this, it's never going to work or, or, okay, okay, God, use me, use what necessary tools are necessary mm -hmm. for me then to come be in your presence and be healed. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, no, that wall is hard. Right. 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 Um, you just went through, you know, that the whole uh, um, irritation. Mm -hmm. Like, why, why am I irritated? Which probably led to anxiety, which probably led to a bunch of things. And you've come a long ways in that. And I think that it would be important. It'd be cool for people to hear how that came about. You know, we got a few more minutes here. But I think it's awesome how God was working and the people around you was working in bringing this to fruition and to light. Right. So I want to speak to the power of testimony because the more you are willing to share your testimony, the more you embolden other people to try it and it's catching. It's not just the, the, it's not just the testimony of your salvation. It's also the testimony of what he's done lately in your life mm -hmm. and also what he has done in the past. Maybe it's a testimony from five years ago, but still, when you look back, you're not supposed to be lamenting and regretting, but you're instead looking for the things he's done, the confirmations again and again, that he is faithful and that he is working in you and that he's faithful to finish that work. Mm. Even when we're faithless, he's faithful. So when you share these testimonies, you're encouraging other people to acknowledge their faults as part of the solution rather than a trap of shame. If, you re if realizing your own faults makes you ashamed and makes you tempted to be in denial about it and ignore it and sweep your sins and your struggles under the rug because it's just not, it doesn't feel good to not be all together, you're going to have a really hard time accepting healing. Mm. A really hard time because healing is from the Lord and it is a gift. And that's the crazy part about healing is you have to be able to accept it in the same way that we hold so much against others and ourselves. And he, and he talks about how that's grace and that the debtor that was forgiven of much could mm. not lead himself to forgive the person who owed him a little that made him wicked and wretched, right? Mm. 
but we're saved and we're sealed. And so when the Holy Spirit convicts us of something that we're doing wrong, he's not condemning us. He's convicting us, giving us this moment of of free choice to let it go and accept his grace rather than the shame that keeps us in it or puts us in another type of sin. He's giving us the option to stay. And so for me, hearing so many testimonies over the years that the testimonies are, Hey, guess what? This was, this is what I did. And it worked over and over realizing what they did is give it to the Lord. Maybe once in faith, maybe repeatedly, but they gave it to the Lord and then Mm. they accepted the gifts that he gave back that they are not worthy of, but that his love gives us anyway. So for me recently, Shay gave me a wound from a friend I'll say because he my husband he also my friend right so but the wounds of a friend that it's mentioned in Proverbs means those loving but stinging things people that love you will share with you because they love you and so that's one of the things that he did for me when he was like you know you're irritated so often And I know this, I lived in a cloud of irritation most of the time. And because I'm already irritated, it doesn't take much to irritate me again and again and again. And this is a cycle that, you know, it would take a really good day full of great stuff to keep me from being irritated. And then the cycle would continue. And finally that day in the car, I broke and it was a silent breaking. Like I wasn't hyperventilating. I wasn't in a corner. I wasn't having stress sweats or or crying. I was just broken like I was like yeah you're right it's unacceptable Mm -hmm. how often I'm irritated and this can't be a situation where everyone is wrong and wronging me and that's why I'm irritated in that moment I went to God in prayer we were in the car so this all happened over the course of a few minutes I went to God in prayer because I was sick of it and I asked the Lord Lord I've asked you many times to just take this from me to just take irritation from me. That's clearly not how you want to heal me. You want to teach me something. Sometimes when he snatches stuff, he's not, you're not going to learn. You're going to learn to trust him, but you're not learning a lesson you can pass on. Instead, if you let him work in you, then you're aware of this process and you can pass that on to others and, and have grace for others. And so in that moment, it wasn't this moment of lifting weight or nothing. It was just go on Google and look it up because I've known I could do it. But part of me is like, I don't need it. I'm not the problem. Even though I was saying I was the problem, I didn't want to take any kind of responsibility, action steps, convict, extra conviction to fix it. Go on Google. Find the first article I look up, I said something about like Christian irritation, irritated as a Christian or something like that. So that I would ensure that the person answering it, the person writing uses the Bible. I don't care about the worldly solutions, even if they kind of work. I want the godly solution that works eternally. So I went and found it. And what is the root of this irritation? It's selfishness. Because you're being irritation is caused by what you want being denied or delayed by an external or internal factor. So when you're irritated, it's because you're experiencing delayed gratification and it's selfishness because you're putting what you want and your timeline and your opinion on what needs to happen before you're putting the reality that God is delivering and allowing into your life. Mm. 
it was a slap in the face, but also in that exact moment, because now I have to be like, dang, I really am selfish on a level I didn't even realize because I thought I was huge in irritation. Actually, I'm huge in selfishness. That's that's very humbling. But also I felt this joy because he had answered my prayer. Mm. He had given me in the way I know it. He had given me the thing I needed to start calling a spade a spade instead of saying, you know, Lord, fix this symptom. He he went for the root. And that's the faithful thing he does. The root you don't always want to address, but the root is where the issue is. And so that's why if you're in therapy, be paying attention for them helping you find the root deflect as little as you possibly can get ballsy with it own up be real and when they do believer or not as far as your therapist or counselor you take that to the word of god when you realize what that word that root is you take it to the word of god and you figure out what the word of god says about that root and you start giving that to the lord that's powerful i mean that's powerful because i think that sometimes no i think a lot of times there might be that rare occasion out there you know and and people say there's a chemical imbalance and some of these other things but sometimes we get stuck like you said on the the reaction Mm -hmm. um we've we've said that several times in in life group like anger is a reaction Mm -hmm. what's the root cause um being irritated is a reaction to a root cause. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to ask another question. Man, I love when I can sit here and just go on the interview side of stuff in our own, <laughs> in our own conversation. But how has that helped you with anxiety? Because I know that you also exhibit some things in in, in your life that that show that there's anxieties. Mm-hmm. How do you feel that that is helping in that aspect? And you can go into that a little bit. Yeah. So I so I also struggle with trichotillomania. I do not own it saying it's mine or that I have this thing, but instead that I wrestle with it, that I struggle with it. Um, That's just why that's just how I choose. Trichotillomania is compulsive hair pulling normally due to anxiety. Um, I only pull from my eyebrows nowhere else. Um, but some people, they pull from their scalp, they pull from all their eyelashes, you know? So for me, it's very easy to hide. It's very easy to cope. Um, but I went through many, many years where I had barely any eyebrows. And so, um, now it's to the point where if I forgot to draw them on, people would just be like that, like they'd be a little incomplete, but they're there enough that you might not even notice. Right. Um, but even today I sat down at the computer to do some work and instantly, it started happening Um, and it hasn't for a lot of weeks and then suddenly it happens. And so those are, so what does that tell me? It's, it's a smoke detector. So no, I don't want to just smash the smoke detector with a sledgehammer. If you are going somewhere where it is not a life threatening struggle that you're like your coping mechanism, your uh, smoke alarm is not life threatening do not smash the smoke alarm. Do not allow your counselor or your whoever you're relying on to help you. Do not allow them to smash it mm. because that isn't solving anything. It's just complicating things because it will start manifesting in another way. Let the smoke alarm stay. Let it be as annoying and loud as it's been, but start focusing on putting out the fire and reducing the number of flammable things going on. So what do I mean by that? Unless you're going to die... Do not add the complication of a ton of extra chemicals in your body that's going to, who the heck knows how, influence your life. That's just Mm -hmm. adding more complications you have to figure out. So instead, for me, I use it as a smoke detector. It's going crazy. So now what do I, like, I need to stop. 
I need to focus on what's going on. I need to give this to God. Let me sit and think for a second. Let me be introspective. What am I actually freaked out about? Why am I freaked out? Mm. What lies am I telling myself? What lies am I believing? Because normally I'm someone I can suppress how I feel to look like I have it all together. So how does it come out? Because I've learned to suppress how I feel so that people don't notice. Well, it comes out through hair pulling. Right. So I'm sitting down, I'm anxious. And instead of beating myself up, I sit and I say, okay, what am I? I'm fearful. What does the word say about fear? And because I've done that homework, I know I can't quote things very well yet, but like, I know that there's verses that say, you know, if you do fear, you're fearing punishment and don't fully understand the love of God. Right. He says, do not fear. He is my, my rear guard. He's my front guard. He's so I start telling myself what Bible verses I can remember. What truth can I remember about this? And I start combating the flesh that doesn't know those verses like my eternal self does. Mm. So as far as anxiety and, and the selfishness, that's another thing is like control is a form of selfishness because you're putting your timeline, your goals, your desires, and the way you want to do them in front of how God has a plan. Right. So as he starts working on the roots, you start realizing you actually don't have a lot of roots. You just have some out of control plants, mm. right? There's not many roots. When he lists out sins, you can be like, well, what about this sin? Most of the time when we list out a sin that he hasn't mentioned, it's not, it's a symptom. It's an offshoot of one of the roots he's already addressed. There's actually not that many roots. They're just huge and they take work <laughs> that he's willing to do. Right. And, and I'm sitting here across from you and I'm looking at your eyebrows and I can't really tell, which means, <laughs> no, which means, and, and as a husband, I know. So what I'm saying is, look, over time, it's not something that's been perfected. Yeah. But over time, because I've seen both sides of the show. Mm-hmm. I've seen where the trigger was not recognized. The application was not applied, the mm-hmm. word of God. And then it ends up being where it's pretty much a full drawn on eyebrow. Mm-hmm. And, and I, that's what I'm not looking at today. I'm looking at eyebrows that are still there, right? Mm-hmm. Which means that over time you're learning the triggers and you're learning how to put apply the word of God into your life to help you with this. Right. Um, and, and I like that story. I like how that comes together because it, it doesn't just say I'm healed. See, I have that PTSD story where like it was like one and done. He took that thorn away. But I mean, there's a lot of thorns <laughs> that I had like, OK, y'all, let me just be real as, a, as the husband who's sitting here watching his wife like lessen the anxiety or the, uh, the, the irritations <laughs> a little bit. <clears throat> like you start to see that and, and watch this, you know, the whole time it's like, man, in your head, you're like, my child's irritated. My wife's irritated. Of course I'm going to be irritated. It's hard not to be irritated. They're making me irritated. And now that they're not, okay, my child, oh, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> She's a four-nager. But with three-nager, now four-nager, I think she'll be a five-nager, a six-nager. Oh, it's like we're, I rebuke it. I re- <laughs> but you have to also sit there and, and, and come to this conclusion, y'all, I came to. I was sitting there, it was like 20s and 30s group, and I was like, and you know what I'm recognizing, y'all? I was using her irritation to justify my irritation. Now I have no excuse for irritation, so I have to figure out where I need to go. And, of course, that's turning to the Lord and saying, hey, help me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just carry on in those ways. And, I th- you know, we're going to keep going back to that same biblical ap- application because that is where we get healed. You know, we, we have to identify. We have to, to, to then move forward, but never move forward alone. 
I love what you said too earlier where you're like, make sure you carry your Bible. Look, not as some like talent, like what do they call those things? Token. Yeah. Or, or like, don't oh, use I it as this little talisman no. or it's lucky like, crystal. No, flip no. the pages, y'all. Have yeah. a word on your heart. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and if somebody tells you something, it's like, okay, even if you don't have your Bible, sit there with all the Bible knowledge that you have, which you should start doing. Hey, if you're not incorporating Bible study into your life, into your time, I'm going to say something. When I see my wife in the Bible, it's amazing to see the stability that happens. Mm -hmm. um, she probably the same way. When, the more I'm in the Bible, the more stability there is. Uh, and so one thing, be in the word of God. Mm -hmm. Because, okay, yeah, maybe you don't want to carry your Bible in there. But I don't care, man. Watch this. Carry your Bible in there. Carry your phone in there. Be Google searching. Hey, right. look, Bible verse for whatever. Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this applicable or not applicable? Right. Because uh, I, I think that there could still be some good that comes out of people who don't necessarily have Christ, but you got to be really on point then. And that's where I'm, I'm always torn. And I'm like, okay, if I go to somebody that's not, then I have to really, there's more for me to do. Right. Granted, you're testing everything even with, with someone who is a Christian. Yeah. But it's like, at least in that case, it's directed that way. So it's a little easier for you. Yeah. And I think that on that note, yeah. because it's important, like, the best case scenario, if you want to do therapy, the best case scenario is a strong Bible-rooted counselor that is unafraid to, to pray with you, give you biblical word, give you big, biblical truth, and treat therapy from a biblical perspective, right? That's the best case scenario. Sadly, that is very hard to find. Very hard to find. So... If you feel led to have therapy, even if even if you want a Christian therapist and there is one and you what you want to do first and foremost, again, is what Shay said earlier is pray about it. Give the Lord the authority to choose who it is you go to and that will happen and manifest in a way different from me, from whatever. Like, for example, me, I, I gave the Lord when I came to Christ. I said, Lord, send me to the right church. And I literally Googled. And the first church that came up is the church that I go to now. Is that the first church that shows up on everyone's Google search? I have no way of knowing. But I just did it. And I had this faith and there was this feeling. And so I just went and I, I even had in my mind, like, if it's not right, I'll go somewhere else. I'm still there 10 years later. And, and Shay is now ordained in that church, right? That is, that is what I did. But what's funny is I had also, cause I didn't know the difference. I had hit up, um, I had emailed a pastor at a church nearby. I'm not even going to go into denomination or anything. Cause that's unnecessary, but I emailed them and they never replied back. And I emailed saying, Hey, I just came to Christ. I just accepted Christ. I would really love to talk to somebody. That is like a very great email to get, mm. right? Like that's a, that you would think they would treat that like candy and be like, yes, right. no, like I never, I got completely ghosted by this church. So I didn't go. That church is like five minutes from our house. The church we go to now was 15 minutes at the time from, from where I lived. Mm. So he will, if you ask him to shut doors, give you red flags, give you green lights, he's going to because he knows that that's how, especially a baby believer who doesn't know how to hear his voice yet, you know, and doesn't have a lot of biblical verse in their mind to kind of guide he knows that's what you need. He's going to help you in the way you understand, just like you would speak to a two-year-old differently mm -hmm. about something important than you would a 15-year-old. And so giving the consent for him to make that choice 
will lead you where you need to go. And you don't need to um, heed everybody's concerns about that. Although I do encourage you to have several very close and again pray for these people so that they come the ones that god wants you to have are the ones who show up Mm. a a small knit group of people who rely on the word of god and have those in your circle if they start being concerned about where you're going heed that if they seem like like are invested and interested and engaged with you in this process and they aren't it doesn't matter if people that are anti-therapy or anti-christ oops <laughs> it doesn't matter if if people who are anti the church or anti-therapy or anti this or anti that have opinions for you right keep your circle of who you actually listen to their counsel right. small but but bible-based and i and I am also a firm believer in having the friends who aren't afraid to tell you. Yes. Like I would rather have people around me who tell me the truth Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of things. And I was, I was talking about this the other day that I don't even recognize. Um, The beauty of being in the body of Christ as we wrap this up, but that like Michelle was saying is having those people around you find that group. Find that group. No, pastors are cool. Talk to pastors. If you got a pastor you trust, that's awesome. But also find those friends that like you're on that that deeper level with. That like Michelle calls out to them. I, I know that her little group, <laughs> they'll throw something out there. And I'll tell you what, if it's if it's anything, I, 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 me, 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 or whatever, they got no problem saying, uh, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because because <laughs> they 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 straight up on all that. And I love that. And and I've got men around me that aren't afraid to talk. Uh, Jonathan White, <laughs> man, that brother has no problem letting me know. But he always in love. But it's never like just a beat down. Mm-hmm. But but it's it's truthful. It's because it's it's, he genuinely loves he you. Loves, right. We love. Yeah. Right. So look, I know we said a lot, but I think it was a lot of good things. I think there's a lot of encouraging things there. And when we look at this, there's three P's, and I'll throw it out here too because I throw it out on ours all the time, or in our Bible studies, life groups, and all that. Three P's: p- pray. Pause and proceed. Pray, pause to hear the, hear what God is saying to you, whether it's through the word of word or however he talks to you. I'll never shut down any method that he has with conversation with a person. And then proceed. Never move on your own. Make sure that you have him with you because I think that's the greatest thing. Um, and I'm going to wrap on this, on this verse because I, I just love this verse. It's the most used verse in the whole world when it comes to this <laughs> by Christians, and it's Psalm 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Not just puts a band-aid on it, but restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, 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 and God. Amen. Amen. Thank you to Nick Ruffin for allowing us back on Vantage Point to share our Vantage Point on Jesus and therapy. If you have enjoyed this episode, you can connect with us more at thepantrypodcast.com. But make sure, no matter what, to send a good review for Vantage Point Podcast as well as subscribe and follow it wherever you listen. So until next time. Bye. Bye.